everyone, it's Kobe and Kyle, and welcome back to the Healing Circle. And we back. If I sound crazy, it's because I'm sick. I don't have COVID, but I do have a head cold, and I sound like and feel like my head is a balloon. That's exactly what you would say if you <clears> had COVID, <throat> but didn't want anybody to know. Really, Kyle? <laughs> Just saying. So today we are back with you guys um, talking about emotional currency. And so our last conversation was really about kind of explaining what emotional currency is, laying the foundation for the this brief series. Um, and today what we're going to talk about is how to know your emotional currency, how to know what people can deposit into your life relationally that makes you feel valued. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as we were talking about this, recognizing there's a whole bunch of things you can kind of look at to, I guess, to give you the vanilla version of emotional currency. Um, there's like the love languages, there's Enneagram, there's Myers, Myers-Briggs, is that no, I think the Myers-Briggs is more about who you are and, and what you like to do and less about relational stuff. Okay. But I think that um, the Enneagram speaks to, can speak to what makes you feel valuable and the, um, the five lang- love languages, that's literally that as well. Um, so I think that those are two really awesome resources that people can use Um I have my feelings about the Enneagram. Most of you guys know that. <laughs> Kobe's a therapist. And so, um, apparently, uh, personality traits and all these different things that we take online tests for, apparently they're like a very specific, in-depth science that have a lot more detail than the 20 questions you answer on the online quiz. Um, so that's the case for personality tests. So um, the Enneagram is not a personality test. Um, but the Enneagram is really helpful for lots of people. Also, the Enneagram is not always accurate, right? So it's something that has to be self-reported. When you read the Enneagram and it talks about deepest fears, deepest, you know, um, goals, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. you have to agree with it for it to apply to you. But also the idea that these 10 typologies can somehow magically encompass all of humanity. It's just false. (laughs) Right. Um, and what's actually really funny about the Enneagram is the Enneagram really struggles with identifying people who are in helping professions, specifically behavioral health professions. Like it really, really struggles. Like you mean therapists specifically? Yeah, I know. I know several therapists, social workers, psychologists who've taken the Enneagram several times, um, taken like the quiz. It's supposed Mm. to kind of tell you, um, and it not be able to identify. It literally says they're equally everything. I've taken the Enneagram five or six times, and it has said I am equally every single number. Right. Chameleon. Right, and then people are like, read the book, make sure when you read the book that you're really seeing and identifying with what the core fears are, but none of those core fears are my core fears, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is we do this thing as humans where if something works for us, it's universally true for everybody, 
And because the Enneagram is really helpful for a lot of people, and I use it with some of my clients, especially ones who have low um, self-awareness, and that's not shade, but the the Enneagram is really helpful for people who aren't in therapy and have low self-awareness. Because you could get a lot of that information that the Enneagram packages into numbers if you went to therapy. Um, which is why it's so valuable to people because it's novel, right? But mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing more in depth work, what the Enneagram presents is not it's not novel, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and if anything, it, it lacks detail. Um, and then what I don't like about it, and I promise I'll end my Enneagram rant. What I don't like about it is that um, it lists people that are like you. It's like, and these yeah. are the twelve thousand people who are. <laughs> eights right and so what happens for people who are codependent and what happens for people who have traumas that um lead them to not want to develop their own personal identity they Mm -hmm. begin to just look at the people who have a similar number finger quotation and model their life after that person right which is not helpful right that's not being who god called you to be that's being somebody else (laughs) right um five love love languages similar Right. Mm -hmm. So there's five love languages, but there's lots of intersections with those. So I could really like physical touch and words of affirmation. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. I can really like um, words of affirmation and acts of service. Right. So it's not just all of these tools are really, really helpful. They are, but they have to be applied appropriately. And oftentimes because people don't have a behavioral health background, they don't know how to apply it in a way that, that helps them fully understand. Like to me, the worst thing someone can say is, well, I'm an eight. Oh God. The I'm a blank. So sis, I have not memorized all of your deepest fears, your personality traits, any of, I I just have not. Um, I appreciate, am I supposed to pull up a chart? Do you have a chart for me to read? Um, Well, I'm a Libra, so I end up fighting a lot. And also what it does is it it depersonalizes people's trauma. Yeah. It's supposed to be a tool that helps you understand yourself, your Mm -hmm. negative patterns. Also, your Enneagram typology changes based on who you are, based on where you are in your healing process. So what happens if you become really attached to being a two Mm -hmm. and really love being a two? You put a lot of identity in that, especially because all the twos are like... Einstein was a two. I don't know if Einstein was a two. I think he was a one, but it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you like, know, if, like... But if you put your identity or value in, in the that, people you're compared to within that typology, yep. you can... Yeah. And then you heal and find out that actually you're an eight, which uh-huh. is, like, very different than a two. How, how are you going to feel about that? Right? Yeah. Um, but it is good for discovering what type of interactions matter to you, what type of emotional currency mm-hmm. really feeds your soul, and what type of currency... Um, is draining to you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those are really good resources to use. And the point of this episode, <laughs> which will probably be really short, is just to encourage you guys to find out what your currency is. Yeah. Right? Because your partner is not responsible for knowing your currency. You are. Your friend is not responsible. Yep. You are. And so many of us, including myself, <laughs> want to have people into it what our yeah what our values are well i i always do this and i'm always on time shouldn't you know that you shouldn't be late with me no they don't know sis they don't talk to him talk to him yeah i don't read minds anymore i used to be (laughs) able to and 
Uh, that, wow. Yeah, I lost that gift. Uh, right around when, when puberty hit and I started talking to women. So, um, yeah, it, no, it's really helpful. Um, some of these different exercises and different things just to give a framework. But like she's saying, you can't go into the emotional currency conversation expecting it to just sort of happen. Yeah. It doesn't really work that way. Yep. And even like to, to put a little bit of context behind it using kind of a personal story that's kind of light, but you hopefully you'll get the point. After we recorded that episode, um, Kobe and I went, we, we record in a very secret high-tech facility. Um, it's our closet. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's a secret it high-tech. It's a Campbell tech, closet. It's a high-tech facility. just happens to have a lot of clothes in it. And we, um, we left our high-tech facility, and uh, Kabe went and laid down because she's pregnant, and that's what people who are pregnant do. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to get her something, like oh, yeah. to get her like a glass of water or something. Yeah, you were already up. I was already up. Yeah, and I, I think I asked you to get me a Coke. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. And she asked me, I was already up. I was going to do something. I don't remember. She asked me to get her a cup of water. And in light of the conversation we had just had, I was like, you know what? We've been we've been together a minute. I really don't like when people ask me to get them things. I was I'm shocked. Up. I was like, "Wait, what?" And <laughs> and you know what? This is such a good example because I the first thing I felt was offended. Mm. Like, what do you mean? I you stuck something in me, and now there's a child. My feet stay swole. You better go get me. A, you know, like like the first thing I felt was offense, and I had to kind of like put my put down my own defense mechanisms, and be like, "Oh, Kobe." breathe hear him hear him hear him it's like one of those small things that it matters in the moment i'm never up at night like she i can't believe she asked me to go get her a coke like and put ice in the cup yeah yeah all the details can you get some lime like no bro um (laughs) but what i had to explain to her well so one it took a lot for me to even acknowledge it yeah. Because it's so small, you want to tell yourself, like, it's not worth it. Yeah. But in light of our emotional currency conversation, I was reminded of talking about, um, like, the withdrawals. Yeah. How you have interactions with people all day long, and you may think that it's, like, the smallest thing in the world. Yeah. And for them, it could cost more than, you, than you're really aware. Yeah. And so I was living out a reality where Kobe was asking, she was... She was swiping her card for, like, more than she could have ever thought. Yeah. In my head, I'm throwing you pennies, you know? Yeah. Like, rather, I'm asking you to give me pennies. That's yeah. a better way to say it. I'm, I'm like, hey, can you give me a nickel? Can you give me a dime? And for you, it's like, can you give me a 20? Can you give me a 50? And and so it was one of those things. It's kind of one of those steady declines. Like So emotional currency, right? We're talking about money. How do you get more money? How do you have more in your account? You either save more or you... um you make more, right? Like, you spend less or you make more money. Yeah. Um, And you need to figure out what kind of person you are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But in that, I was like, you know what? This is a perfect way for me to, like, live out the truth of what we talk about. I really don't... Like, it it costs more than you think for me to get you water or whatever. And it has nothing to do with I don't feel like getting a cup of water or something for Kobe or that I don't think that she's deserving of a small favor effort or or favor anything like that it's rooted in trauma and not even I wouldn't even say trauma but just 
well, I guess trauma. Yeah. I don't want to demean it. Or, I was going to say. Um, and and this isn't a perfect, what he's about to say and express, or you're going to explain it, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So what he's about to say and express is a perfect example of how trauma is so tiny. And oftentimes when we want to call it out and put T on it, you know, put that T, put that trauma T mm-hmm. on it. There's like this, this quick flashing insidious shame. That's like, that's not, not trauma. Yeah. You know, there's worse. People are getting the chopped off. <laughs> that's, not, that's not trauma, right? But if it has a lasting negative effect on how you relate to other people in the world around you, it's trauma, right? Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. So, why don't I like <laughs> when, especially when I'm going about my own business um, and someone asks me, like, takes me out of whatever my own business is to do a menial task for them, like a small thing for them. <coughs> I grew up in a very classic black household. In a military home as and well. And in a military home. Yeah. Um, so so to put context on some of the things I'm going to share, like, I think I've talked about it before, but my dad, there was a, a season in our life where my dad would wake us up at, like, 4.30 in the morning, uh, me and my brother, uh, in the winter, to wash his car. Why did he do that? He wanted to be sure that even at our most frustrated, tired, annoyed moment, we would not, like, talk back. We would not show a lack of respect to him. Mm. It was like a life lesson he was trying to teach us. And I'm not mad at the life lesson because in some ways well, from I his context... Problems, I understand that. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not a very good thing for him to do, but armed with his perspective, yeah, looking at the ways in his life, the thing that got him out of abject poverty, one of ten children, yeah. like nine different fathers amongst yeah. them, and living in the type of poor situation that people only read about. Yeah. He went from that to being one of the most decorated Marines of his generation. And what did, what did it take for him to do that? An iron discipline. <laughs> yeah. Like an iron yeah. discipline to simply... Like be willing to to model out the Marine Corps anthem of Simplify, always faithful, um, and so like he, you know, he was trying to equip us with the tools that he felt made him successful, and he wanted us to be safe because there are places as a little, as a black man in America, where if you don't show certain people in authority the proper amount of respect, no matter how poorly they're treating you, yeah, you may end up dead. Yeah, right. So. Not the greatest way to go about teaching respect, but completely sensical based on who he was in his own context and all of that. Yeah. But, like, just so just to give context about, like, how hierarchical sometimes, like, my childhood was, there was a lot of really great things about that, but some, some not so great things. And one of those things was I ended up in a situation where when I was younger, like, it was very common for, like, me to be standing up doing whatever and to be expected to drop everything and anything to do any sort of task for my parent. Um, and like in black culture, you have these memes of like your parents calling you home from your from your <laughs> friend's house to get them the, rem- the, the remote. The remote that's sitting you know? right beside and it's in like, their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. we, at least within our community, everyone's got a story like that. Yeah. So like it's not, my experience isn't completely novel. But... That made me feel small. Yeah. And it made me feel like 
doing those things, it was a clear function of like, I have more authority than you. Yeah. It's not worth my time to do this task so you because my time is more important. Yeah. And because I have more authority. Yeah. So maybe one day you'll have more authority than someone else and they'll be the one doing little things for you. But for right now, that it's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so to this day, like it kind of it almost kind of offends me a little bit. Yeah. When Kobe asked me to do something for her small, like get a cup of water or whatever, because it triggers this feeling of like feeling kind of inferior. Yeah. And at this point I've worked so hard to get where I am in life. Yeah. Like I don't like the feeling of being reminded <laughs> there are still these ways where like I'm just less than. Yeah. And my dad never meant it like that. Like yeah. he's he's uh, so I think cool. most parent, black parents did mean it like well, that. Well, yeah, but he I meant it, but he did not recognize. Malicious. Yeah, he didn't recognize yeah. that it could turn into <laughs> this sort of seed that now like it comes up in a relationship that has nothing to do with you know, with that. Yes. And you saying that is perfect because that is why it's so important to make sure we're applying these tools that we talked about before to your personal experiences. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah, maybe you're an Enneagram 8. Maybe you're an Enneagram 10. Maybe you're an Enneagram whatever it is, right? But at the end of the day... Where do where does your value for certain currency come from, right? Because our conversation ended with me being like, you know, I remember talking to my parents about this because I had a similar experience. But, like, in an African household, parents don't ask you to do something if they don't trust you. Mm. You know, I'll say in my parents' household, and in, in, in my parents' household, my parents didn't... If, if they didn't think you were going to do it well, they just weren't going to ask you to do it, <laughs> you know? And so if you were called on often, it was a sign of favor. It was a sign of trust, yeah. right? And so, like, there's not a lot of people I would ask to, to do things for me or get things for me, especially because yeah. I like things done well the first time, <laughs> you know? Um, and so me asking Kyle to do something for me, um, other than the fact that he's the only one around, because <laughs> that's also <laughs> true, is a sign of love, Right. Yeah. And I know for me, I feel loved when Kyle asks me, you know, to do something. I, we have had whole, whole <laughs> arguments about you asking someone else to do something for you when I'm right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. been yeah. like, dang, yeah. if you really hungry, I can make you a plate. I do got a ring on your finger, you know, on my finger. Like yeah. I can, you can ask me to get you water, babe. You can ask me to get you, you know, a piece of cake, whatever it is. Because for me, it felt like he was saying to someone else, I, I would like you to serve me because, because I favor you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which is so interesting because we talked about this that night. Like yeah. I was like, babe, have you <laughs> noticed? I almost never ask you to give me anything Never. when you're up. And if anything, I've had to start intentionally making myself ask you. Because I recognize that there's, like, a way that I'm interacting in this that's, like, kind of broken. But, like, me and my brother, who's the closest person to me as far as thinking the same way that I do, like, my leg could be broken. <laughs> I would not ask my brother to get me a thing. Mm -mm. Like, I just would not. And he would not. And so, even in my relationship, here we go with the emotional currency... For me, early in our relationship, I was not asking Kobe to, to make me a plate. I'd ask someone else. Honestly, someone who I didn't really value as much. Mm -hmm. um, because I was trying to convey, like, hey, like... 
I respect you as much. I respect you. Yeah. You're not my kid. You're not yeah. my sl- my servant or my slave. Like, if I've got to offend somebody or, or withdraw from somebody's account, I'm going to withdraw from someone who, honestly, I care less about my account balance with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for her, it was like, mm-hmm. well, why wouldn't you favor me? Like, why wouldn't you deposit, like, some trust in me to make you a plate or yeah. to get to get you this because we're coming from completely opposite directions on this really small <laughs> tiny issue yeah but it was one of those things i had to bring up because like i was like you know what kobe probably has no idea how annoying like how <laughs> how much yeah. this means to me yeah and that's why it's so important for us to know our own emotional currency yeah. and then communicate that to our partner um, one, because it allows them to give context that is primary, context that comes straight from, you know, the straight horse's mouth, the source, yeah. you know. Um, but also what's so important about us having that conversation is how this is how little like rather this is how little T trauma turns into big T traumas. Mm. When I explain to people, this is how little moments accumulate. So I talk about how big T trauma is like a boulder, right? It's getting hit by a car. It's, you know, this really big situation happening. And then little T trauma is an accumulation of small, small situations that communicate um, an underlying idea. Yeah. Right. Which might be uh, just an example. Going back to my childhood, if my parents always called on my sister mm-hmm. to go get something, but not on me, each time would be kind of like this little, you know, pebble that builds up. It happens several times a day, builds up into a big T trauma of, oh my gosh, my parents like me less, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just an example. Um, but it's so important because we can begin to think that our partner, our friends, our boss, whoever, loves us less when they genuinely do not understand our currency and why our currency stands as it is. Yeah. Right. Because people don't just change because they know information. They also change because they understand why the information's there, the purpose of the information. And so for Kyle, if we didn't have that conversation, he could have felt like, dang, you really don't respect me. Yeah. It's like, well, why (laughs) not just tap dance for you, Massa? Like, (laughs) 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 you know, (laughs) God, you're going to be cough. Um, you know, it's, it's this, it's this way that like, I think personally, I feel like the enemy sows discord in any relationship. Yeah. It's assuming that someone should know how to love us and that there are moments that are too small to communicate, but that is a lie. There is no moment that is too small to clarify or communicate with somebody else. You know, not if you want to have a lasting, deep and abiding relationship with this person, um, and for me, I have to, con- it, it requires self-awareness. Yeah. It requires introspection. It requires space to ask yourself, why am I responding like this? Yeah. Why am I annoyed? Yes. Like, my wife is six months pregnant. She doesn't need to be getting up <laughs> at the end of the day to get herself a glass of water. Like, it's nothing for me. It's a genuine effort at this point. Yeah. For her to do much of anything. Yeah. So it's like, it why Why am I even annoyed? I love her. Yeah. I would do anything for her. This is, this is at the bottom of the list of things that are difficult to do. But it was, it just, it felt like you were making a claim about 
my role in your life mm. in a way that felt that just didn't feel loving or totally. it, I didn't receive it as loving. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's what you do to the runny nose kid running around your house who <laughs> you don't really know. Yeah. But it's like, I'm an adult. You're not. Yeah. Go get me a, a water bottle. Yeah. Go get, you know, at the cookout, at least at the black cookout. I was always <laughs> told growing up, listen, if a, if, if a old person asks you to do something, you just do it. Mm. You drop whatever you're doing. By virtue of them surviving this long as a black person in America, you owe them something. They push <laughs> the ball forward. You go do whatever they need you to do. There's some good things in that. But, you know, it can communicate, especially in, like, a, a relationship that is supposed to be, like, really mutually giving. Yeah. And um, where you want to feel like the person is for you. It had a connotation to me that she was not aware of. Yeah. And there was no way for her to know. Unless I said something. Yep. And if we don't figure out what our personal emotional currency is, relational currency is, and on top of that, if we don't understand why it's there and how it developed, every time someone offends us, it's going to feel like they're making a character call on who we are. Yeah. Right? Like, every time you don't answer my my text, I'm going to feel like it's because you just don't want to be my friend Mm. and because I am not good enough. Anytime you don't, you know, you hang out with somebody and don't invite me, I'm going to feel like it's because I'm just not a good enough person. Yeah. You know, every time I tell you to go get water, it's going to tell you, um, you know, if we didn't have this conversation, it's going to tell you that, you know, Kobe doesn't respect me and she sees me as a child. Yeah. But unless we have those clarifying conversations, we don't know. Like, I know for me, my emotional currency is quality time. Mm-hmm. Right. Quality time, um, acts of service, but mostly quality time. For me, when someone demonstrates hospitality, it's like the highest form of love. It's ma- It's wow. You took the time to think about these things because I, I know how much time it took for you to, you know, uh, arrange things on the table when they didn't have to be arranged. You know, I know how much time it took for you to make the food and then put it in specific dishes and get corresponding. <laughs> like, I, because I love doing that for people. Kobe is the queen of, like, I'm like, hey, it's cooked. Put it on the paper plate and put it in the middle of the table. He be Let's trying to just put the pot on the plate. I mean, on the table. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it, if it's cute, if it's a cast iron, if it fits the aesthetic, but you can't just be putting the rest of the plate, the rest of the pot on the, I'm just like, know? bro, I'm not trying to make no more dishes. It's going to taste just as good coming out the pan as it does. On. <laughs> but yeah. that's like, you know, we're communicating different things. We have different currencies there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know that for me, someone can say, you're so intelligent and it would mean nothing to me. Right? Like, yeah. why? Because... Growing up and in my friendships and my adult friendships, too, I had so many people say such kind things about me and then do such mean things. Mm. And so, you know, Dr. Amy Phillips said the best, like, my love language is action. Don't tell me how great I am. Show me how great I am to you. Yeah. Don't tell me how much you love me. Show me how much you love me. Because there's so many people who have sowed words of kindness and love, but then turned around and sowed actions of malice and discord yeah and so for me i've kind of like my brain is just like yeah yeah thanks for the nice words but but how are you going to act in my absence yeah how are you going to act in my presence right but it's important for me to share that with kyle because we're always more likely to give other people 
what our personal um, emotional currency is. Yeah. For example, the last two Father's Days, I've gotten Kyle a really nice wooden watch mm-hmm. that was engraved with these really sweet words. I don't even yeah. know if you know what it is. Engraved with these really sweet words it's in the back. It's in my watch box. I had like our anniversary and I think it had like, like uh, some type of words that said I loved you, right? It's very kind. To this day, Kyle's not one it once. <laughs> he is not one it once. <laughs> then, I'm not done. Then, I got him the Apple Watch Series 3. Alright, guys. Until the circle comes back around. <laughs> I got him the Apple Watch Series 3. And he went to get the oil changed. And he went with Levi. And Levi had a little poo-poo blowout. And he was changing Levi's diaper. So he takes off this brand new Apple Watch. And lets our toddler hold it to chew on it. Then our toddler chucks it. And he, you know, puts everything away. Closes up our toddler in his diapers. Gets in the car and drives away, forgetting that a toddler chucked this brand new Apple Watch. Right? I blame Levi. And to this day, the Apple Watch has not been found. I was giving those things to Kyle because I loved him. But if I'm being honest, if I was paying more attention and... If Kyle had communicated more to me, which at the time he had no reason to. So it really was kind of those learning situations you you needed to learn. Um, I would have known that Kyle didn't really care about that. No, not really. Right. And that's also why saying that someone um, saying that your love language is gifts. Mm -hmm. Is is that what's gifts? Uh, Receiving gifts, right? Yeah, I think it's gifts. <clears throat> right. Same. Whatever. We all know it means gifts, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, like saying that your love language is receiving gifts is not specific enough for the person you're ha- having an intimate relationship with. Yeah. Right. Because I got Kyle a brand new limited edition Xbox controller. Yes, you did. And I thought he was going to cry. <laughs> like, yo, that thing is so cool. I Love. really thought he was gonna cry, right? And she got me a, a a Japanese chef knife, a custom chef knife. Yes, I got him a Santoku knife because he loves to cook and he loves to chop things. And then I got him um a sharpening, what's it, a knife uh, sharpener? Whetstone. Yeah, a whetstone, so he, he could sharpen his knives when he cooks, right? He was so moved by that gift. Now, what I could have done is been like, well, I got you an Apple Watch and I got you a watch and like. Those are gifts that, you know, I gave you a gift that I operated in mm-hmm. your your emotional currency. I operated in, you know, um, your love language, but I operated in his love language, but not in a way that was specific to him. Yeah. Right. And more, more deeply, Kyle used to love watches. Yep. Right. So he used, he used to love watches. So. If I had given those to him two years prior, he probably would have been just as excited yeah. about that watch as he was about the Xbox controller. But people change, and the expression of their love languages change. The expression yeah. of their um, emotional currency, yeah. the, the currency literally changes over time. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the American dollar back then, a million dollars is like $10 million now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, there's this... There's this time inflation and deflation that happens, which is why just looking into these resources is not enough. 
we have to be able to apply them within the context of our relationship and within the context of when we are loving the person, you know? Yeah, I, um, yeah, she she caught me in between um, (laughs) phases of life. There was a time in my life where I cared very, very, very much about my perception towards other people. So watches, shoes, and outfits and things like that were huge for me. other people's perception. Yeah, other people's perception of me, like, mattered a ton. And then, you know, I got a little healthier, to be honest. Um, And it was like, you know what? I don't really get anything from these nice shoes or this nice watch except for other people feeling good things about me. I don't necessarily feel good good about myself. Mm. But you know what makes me feel good? That 57 kills I got on Call of Duty, all right? It actually happened. I got screenshots if you want to see it, okay? Um, or, or or the meal that I get to make or the, you know, yeah. whatever, because I like cooking. So I think, you know, as we have, as we continue to talk about emotional currency, and I think we'll probably do one or two other episodes, we wanted to be really clear and intentional about bringing up the reality that it's not it's not as simple as just saying oh well i have you know i really like x y and z and you really like x y and z so let's just make sure to be more aware of that um because like we said in the last episode um all of emotional currency will make sense and then trauma will come in and trauma will warp something that should have made sense and it'll make it completely it'll just throw everything off there's no reason that for all the things i love to do for my wife getting her a cup of water would would like be the thing you know like that's where the she's crossed the line yeah except for i've got really complicated feelings about the action of going to fetch somebody something yeah and that's why it's important for us to understand that as we develop understanding of what our currency is which is what we're responsible for understanding our currency as we develop that understanding it's so important that we don't miss applying the context of our trauma to it so that we can give our partners and the people we love an informed, full perspective of how to care for us. Yeah. Um, I think the last episode, I I think we ended with saying that you would be surprised as you have these conversations. You'll be surprised um, how much you are, like, charging people for and just general interactions and how much it costs for them um without these conversations coming up so uh just proof positive we we've got to do the same work that we're asking everyone else to do (laughs) and it was kind of embarrassing to even bring it up to my wife that after seven years together you know now all of a sudden i have a problem getting her water Uh, (laughs) and it doesn't mean i don't get her water now but just her knowing what it costs means something to me So now when she asks me, I know that she's considered my perspective and that it it means enough that she's willing to kind of swipe that card. And I know that when she asks me, she's not saying, like, you're less than me. She's saying, oh, no, I trust you. I'm not going to ask Levi to do it because it won't get to me. (laughs) It will not. Um, But I love you and I trust you. And that's why I'm asking you to do this for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about emotional currency, and we're excited to finish off. I think next week might be our last one. Um, Yeah, we'll do relationships and um, 
how it affects friendships and, and work and things like that. Yikes. Yep. <laughs> so we'll do that next week. Um, for those of you who are not a part of our Patreon, but do want to get a taste of what we offer in our Patreon, the guided meditation series that I record every single month are now available on sale at our website. The link will be in the bio. Um, most of the guided meditation series that I do have three parts to them. So three different guided meditations that you can utilize in three days, in one day, or weekly. That's kind of how I suggest doing it. So you can chew on it a little bit. But the Healing Circle is now providing mental health resources for sale. If you want to step up your mental health game, develop um, a sense of mindfulness, especially mindfulness before the Lord, make sure to grab yours and grab some merch too. <laughs> Don't forget that merch though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we'll do one more emotional currency and then we're going to finish off season two talking about everyone's favorite subject. Six. Sex. You guys say S-E-X-X. it like you from the South. Six. Uh, it makes me feel <laughs> dirty. Six. Okay. All right, Let's... y'all. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Until the circle comes back around. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us. If you guys didn't know, we just reached the top 200 mental health podcasts in the U.S. and we want to keep pushing. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, join our Patreon. It's $10 a month. You get mental health resources from a licensed trauma therapist. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing family, so join the inner circle. Plus... We dropped our merch. It's been a crazy time and the slogan, protect your peace, has never meant more. So grab your t-shirt, hoodie, or crew neck when you get the chance and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.